All right, here we are, June 20th, 2022. Thanks for joining us, folks, for another episode of Jackman Radio. And uh, very excited today to have a great guest. She's a, one of the funniest comedians to come out of Boston. She's known as the Dorchester debutante. It's the great Laura Severs. Laura, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, nice shirt there. The, the socks are they're doing well this year, right? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't care about the socks. I mean, I care about the socks, but I don't get invested until like September because I don't have the, the emotional bandwidth at this point in my life. I just can't, you know. I'm with you. I only go to a game if I'm going to be comped, and I know I have really good seats. We used to have, we actually had um, like family, like these 10 packs and we went all the time. And then, you know, we had the kids and between work and comedy and all of that, it just became like too much. And I just don't, I can't expend, um, like, I just can't expend that kind of mental, um, like, I, I just can't get that deep into sports anymore. Like, I love it. I'm, I'm in it. I follow, um, you know, football season is like you know, the greatest time of the whole year, as far as I'm concerned, but like, there's just, I just can't get a hundred percent anymore because it's just too, I just can't handle the up and the down and the up and you know what I mean? Like it's too much for me now. So that's a lot. Yeah. It's definitely a commitment. Um, I, I, I watched the Bruins a lot as a kid and yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I really don't follow a lot of sports anymore, but if I get invited to a friends to watch a game and hang out for a few hours, I'll do something like that. And, um, we actually just went to Fenway last week to see Paul McCartney and, uh, oh, I was there. Oh, really? Uh, which night? Do you remember? Wednesday? I think it was. That's when we went. Yeah. Right. What a great Wednesday, show. Wednesday the 8th. Oh, amazing. The, the, the only thing is we sat in the, uh, where did we sit, Eric? The, uh, right near Pesky's Pole. Oh, the seats were unforgiving for, for big boys. Oh, I know the struggle. Believe me. I, 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 I've been there. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, uh, where were your seats? We were, we, like, if you were looking at the stage head on, we were in the right field. So we were, like, we were, you know, kind of watching him angled. But it was fine. And it was, like, I brought my mother. She's 77. She'd never gone to a concert at Fenway. She'd never seen Paul McCartney. Oh. So it was like kind of something I needed to do for her. And I just, you know, so I had a, you know, when you take an elderly parent somewhere, you just kind of committed from like the moment you pick them up until the moment you drop them off. That was going to be an annoying, fucking horrible night. But you just have to smile and just like get through in the back of your mind. You're like, this person's not going to be here forever. So who cares if she's being super fucking annoying? You know what I mean? So you just have to like, you know, like at one point, like he started seeing Blackbird and she turned to me and she was like, now, do you know that this song is about racial inequality? And I'm like, I do. Yeah, I sure do. And you know how I know that? Because every time we hear this song, you turn to me and say, did you know that? And it's like, shut up, lady. Like, yep, you've been telling me this for 40 years. Like, I know that. Thank you. I played it just in time for Juneteenth. That's why I played it. Really? Clearly. Yeah, we um we brought our mom too, actually, Lauren. And, and same deal. I mean, she's she's 64 now, so I mean, she's not quite 77. But you know, a night out in the city for a, a, a used to be Somerville girl, now New Hampshire girl at 64 is you know, it's a big ask. But um, she had, she had she had never seen McCartney, and uh, she had a blast too, man. It was just so cool to look over and see my mom singing along to those songs that she grew up with, you know. Yeah, that that made it all worth it. I actually have a picture of her where she's like going like this. She's like, and she looks like a child. And I'm like, all right, you know, that was good. Yeah, oh, totally. It's 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 you know, a driving Miss Daisy scenario. But um, no, but totally. I mean, we um, we used to go we go to the garden and see McCartney with our dad. And uh, yeah, our mom had never seen him, and it was a great opportunity. So I took her out to lunch, and I said, Mom, we got a ticket. What do you think? We're going on Wednesday. You want to come? And she was just shocked. So that was. That was cool. It was, a, it was a great experience. Good. I'm glad. Mine too. I, it was well worth the, you know, eight hours of annoyance. But yeah. Hard, eight hard hours work. of hard labor. Yeah, pretty much. The funny thing of it is, is, I mean, she's a Dorchester girl too. She grew up in Dorchester. She still rides the train, which I'm like horrified by because I'm like, you Whoa. should just be Ubering or driving. Like, I really don't need you falling down on the train. And nobody knowing who you are or where, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, that scares me because she's, you know, she's going to bum me and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a yeah. thing and it makes me crazy. I will tell you, the night she came to see me at the Wilbur, she took the train. And I was like, after the show, I was like, you know, how are you getting home? And she was like, oh, I'm just going to jump on the train again. I'm like, oh, my God, lady. It's like, you know, 
9.30 at night and you're getting on the train and she's like, ah, who cares? I'm like, all right, she's fine, whatever. She's a tough old school Dorchester gal, it sounds like. She doesn't think anybody's going to fuck with her. And I'm like, no, everybody will fuck with you. Like, you're crazy, but whatever. It's her life, so. Yeah, and, and the Wilbur. So yeah, that's that's when um, I first saw you, Laura, and heard about you. And um, my brother and I, we got tickets for ourselves and four of our other good friends who all love Tim Dillon. And we went big. We got front row seats to one of those shows there. I think that was July of last year. It was July last year. It was uh, Wednesday through Friday. I want to see if it's like the 20th or through the 20th or the 21st through. Yeah, yeah. the one year anniversary is actually coming up. What night were you there? Do you recall? We were there. Was it the first night? I think it was. It was uh, there were six shows all together, right? Yeah. We were there. I think that for the second night of shows. Oh, okay, Thursday. So that would have been. I was. I would have hit my stride a little bit better that night because I Wednesday night I was an absolute disaster. I mean, I still did really well, but I I, I was so like anxious about. I was the first comic to hit that stage after they had been shut down for COVID, so oh, wow. that felt was like a huge pressure. Plus, opening for Tim is a huge pressure. Yeah. Band, you never know what you're going to get. And then just being on that stage, you know, so it was like a huge combination. So that first set Wednesday night, I was I was rocky. I had two or three friends in the audience and, and um, one of them texted me afterwards. He's a comic and he was like, listen, you did fine. It took you five minutes to get them, but it was good. Don't I know you're going to get in your head about it. And of course I did. Um, I was beside me. I actually stood in the alley like smoking and crying and trying to get myself together for the next show because I was like I have to come out so hard with these this crowd. You know what I mean? Like there's no no mercy. Tim Dillon fans are a breed unto themselves. You know what I mean? And you have to be able to control them and 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 get to them like right away. So it's it's a it's not an easy it's not an easy open. I'll tell you well, that. I'll tell you when, when you came out and I heard you were from Dorchester. You were it, you were instant fire when we were there, and I was I was blown away. I mean, you're talking about your husband's balls and your kids, and I was like, dude, this is this is like you know one of I our relatives lady. from Dorchester. Yeah, this I I know this lady. I fucking know her, man. You know, so our um, yeah, our dad grew up in Dorchester, and he moved there from Ventura, California, in 1968. And uh, he lived there from '68 until probably '73, uh, '74. Then he moved over to Southie. But one of his brothers married a Dorchester girl, and you know, we just, we just, we know it. We know the breed, and 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 you just. It was, it was just instant familiarity and so hilarious. So I'd just like to know how you got into comedy and like how, how it all started for you and everything. Um, it, start, it started young. My parents were like, my dad was, uh, this is odd, but he, he was a military brat and then he enlisted and was not able to actually be in the military because he was diagnosed with like diabetes and whatever. And from then he completely did it. Uh, like a full turnaround where he became like this radical hippie and then they had me and from there they never censored anything because they didn't believe in censorship so i would be watching like carlin and Pryor at like eight you know what i mean and nine. like they i was allowed to read anything i wanted to i was allowed to watch anything i wanted to and that's good and bad but one of the things it did is it instilled in me very early on just this really deep love of you know, music and reading and comedy specifically. I mean, I was raised on Carlin. Like I, you know, to me, he's, he's, he's the goat and he always will be. Um, but I, so it's, that's where the love began. And I knew all through high school and into college that I wanted to do stand up, but I was just never brave enough to do it. Um, when I was in my late twenties, I took a, like a class at like the Boston Center for Adult Ed and stand up. And then I just, and I did great, you know, and I, I even did a spot at like one of the local clubs and it was fun, but I never followed through. I met my husband. Well, I didn't know he was going to be my husband, obviously, but I met Josh, Tony Ballbag, and, uh, he, um, and then I just got caught up with all that, you know, the getting married, the having the kids, blah, blah, blah. And then. In my mid to late 30s, I got a blood clot, like a random blood clot, and I almost, you know, didn't, it wasn't great. And uh, in that moment, I had that, like, you know, that you only live once moment, and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to stand on stage. I've watched enough comedy at this point that I know that I don't know the, the rules, and I don't know this, that, and the other thing, but I know I'm, I'm funny, and I know that's half the battle. So if I can harness that, 
you know, that, that will be, that's what I want to do. So that's, that's how it all started. I got sick and was like, Ugh, I don't want to live this life and not ha at least have tried, you know? Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to have that regret after, after potentially life ending health situation happens. And, yeah. and it was, oh, totally. Yeah. So it just, and then it, it snowballed. And I will say that here in Boston comedy, like in the Boston comedy scene, I've always been treated really well. There's probably like a handful of people that I can really point to that I can say like they weren't helpful or they were a dickhead or whatever. For the most part, like I've always been treated really well in this scene and I moved up pretty quickly. Like I'm, I'm only like seven years in and I've, and I, I can headline locally. I've done the Wilbur now. Like, like I'm starting to actually kind of cap out here in Boston. Cause it's like, what are they going to do with me now? I'm not, I'm not big enough to like, draw like a you know a huge crowd at like laugh boston say for example but i'm i'm headlining nick's comedy stock in july actually that same that actually that's the anniversary weekend that i'll be there so like it's i'm in cool. a position so it's it's it yeah so it's time for me to probably if i'm going to pursue comedy very seriously it's it's probably time for me to actually move on from boston like physically so that's hit the, yeah hit the road yeah yeah we're, we're I, I, we're probably moving out of California, to be honest with you. I mean, LA is is probably where I need to be, so I think that's what what the plan is going to be. So. Wow, yeah, that's that's quite a move. Um, have, have you performed in New York City or any other states in New England, or do you? I perform all over New England. <clears throat> like I'll I'll drive anywhere, I'll do anything. Um, in New York, I've performed in. I mean, I'm all over the place. I mean, you name it, um, San Diego, LA. I spent six weeks out in LA back in uh, January. I spent all, most of, you know, I spent like late January all the way through March um, out there performing. And I don't know, just really like kind of enmeshing myself into the comedy scene out there and whatever. And it was great. Like, it was really cool. Um, and I, I mean, I got away with Bloody Blue Murder because... The second you slap the accent on, people are like they get nervous. You know what I mean? Like so. Right. There's a there's a danger element when you hear that Boston accent. You know. Yeah, yeah you might get punched. Punched? Yeah, you might you might get caught up in a gangland shooting. It could be some kind of FBI, uh, Whitey Bulger FBI intrigue. You don't really know. You don't know. You have no idea what could happen. I am a wild card, full of chaos. <laughs> But yeah, you you were amazing at the Wilbur, and um, yeah, Tim Dillon. He Tim first came on my radar when he. I'm sure for a lot of people when when he did Rogan, and he he did Rogan one of the first times and had a copy of a book called uh, Family of Secrets, the Bush Family Secrets, and I'm like, okay, this guy has a copy of that book. That's very interesting. It's a book that I I've, I've read, and uh, once I heard him start telling a story and riffing and saying who he was, I was like, this this guy's brilliant. This is, yeah. I haven't seen a genius like this come around in a while. He is arguably one of the smartest human beings I know. You know, I, he is exceptionally well read. We actually, but that's one of the things we do. That, that's actually one of the things that kind of bonded us was our reading. Because I am a, I'm like a prolific reader and I'll read anything. Like I, you, you can put anything in front of me. I'll read, I mean, I, I think I've got like, you know, I've got like, like a Bush at war, decision points, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. John, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know if you can see all that, but like you, it doesn't, it almost, I don't even care. Like whatever, you know what I mean? Like I'll just read it. And he and I both are massive, massive readers. And one of the things that we bonded over was we both have this deep affection for New York. Well, it has to be specifically Manhattan, old, old money. And we love like grand dames. Like we loved like, you know, Mrs. Astor and like, like we have like the Vanderbilts. Like we have this, we, we both love that like old money, like just dirtball shit that went on. Like it's just, it's the best. And, um, and we both love the architecture too. So we actually both read this book called 740 Park and we like, he and I, we fully full blown obsessed with all the um, buildings along Park Avenue. So we always talk about that. Like we have, he and I, Tim is a very interesting human being because not a lot of people realize how fundamentally, like he is so fucking smart. Like he's so deeply intelligent 
And people will kind of blow past that because of the full picture. But it's the same thing with me. People think, oh, she's a townie. She's this, she's that. They don't realize I'm educated and I studied Latin for 12 years. I play classical piano. We grew up poor, but not stupid. You know what I mean? There's a difference. Um, and that's, you know, so Tim and I, and also, what was it? The very first thing that we did, the very first night we ever met years upon years ago, we just quoted Sebastian Maniscalco back and forth to each other. We kept trying to outdo each other in terms of who's doing the better Sebastian. And his is great. But I think mine is good, too. So, yeah. Anyway, but, yeah. No, no I, I can see that that people would um, just see the Meghan McCain or some of his more outrageous stuff and, and not see the brilliance of him and, and realize the deep knowledge that he has in, in research. And that's, that sounds like same with those books you're talking about that you have there. And then your background, obviously there's a, there's a real, there's a brilliant foundation there. And I think that's foundation of any really good comedy or a comedian, especially someone who can be quick on their feet um, and do crowd work or just respond to something thrown at them. They, you have to have some serious knowledge about a lot of different things. Yeah. You, 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 I'll say this about Tim and I'll say this about myself. Like there's never really a time specifically for him and Ben too. I mean, they're literally reading every single thing that's coming out all day long because they have, they have to be, you know, on top of everything. And then someone like me, I'm very, I have to make sure that I'm staying fully aware of what's going on in various places because you never do know what someone's going to throw at you out of the audience or you never do. And also I want to be able to speak intelligently on whatever it is i'm talking about i have this new rant i do about student loans and it's and it's, sometimes it's like people are like yeah depending on the generation and then other people are like fuck you so you know but i have to be able to be on my feet about it in case i get the fuck you because i'm be like fuck you you know what i mean like so it's it's a whatever but like i my take is is that basically that because i'm gen x i worked three jobs i'm trying i'm still working through the joke but it's, I worked three jobs, seven days a week to pay off my student loans. So if these motherfuckers get their student loans forgiven, I want them all to write me a check for a thousand dollars. Right. And now the take on that is shitty because I'm essentially blaming this crew for getting these loans forgiven. When the reality of the matter is I personally believe that student loans are the biggest fucking fraud fronted by the, you know, by the government, whoever, all these private companies ever. Like you don't ask if 18 year old kid to sign away their fucking life. You know what I mean? That's unacceptable. So I actually am very progressive and liberal about how I actually feel about student loans, but I know for joke purposes, yelling at them about how they're going to owe me money. I know that's a funny thing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, that's great. When, even if you believe something a certain way or, you know, on any given subject, if you can look at it from other people's other, other, you know, demographics and age brackets perspective, and then be able to, go in the pocket with that and come up with a good take on it. I think that's a, that's a great way to consider, you know, jokes and, and certain humor and depending on where you are, I mean, knowing your crowd, right? I mean, that's, well, that's, see, this is the thing too. I, you, when they talk about like reading the room, you, that, that is truly a very, it's a very valuable skill to have and you have to do it. And the reason is because you can do the same joke night after night after night. And depending on where you are, that joke is either going to hit and crush or it's going to fall flat and people are going to hate you. And I will give you a very specific example. Here in, in the Northeast, I do a whole joke. And Eric, you know this because you've seen me. That what, what I talk about my son being a real fat ass, right? Like I, I say he's fat, he's got ADHD, he's got braces, you know. And then I always say, but I love this kid, right? When I was out in L.A., I would do that same exact joke. And the second I said the kid, my son is fat, they would shut down because how dare I fat shame him? How dare I? And I couldn't figure it out. I did it three times in a row. Finally said to another cop, I'm like, why aren't they laughing at that? Everybody back home laughs at that. And she's like, because this is LA and people are like accepting and you're fat shaming. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had to figure out how to make that joke work in a different way. And, and then you just, and you have to adapt to that. You know what I mean? So I still say he's fat, but I also say everybody relax. He's charming. He's handsome. He, one presumes he's going to get taller. I don't want you to worry about him. The thing that's going to get him is not the fat, it's the CTE. You know what I mean? And then that makes people laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's, you kind of have to reshape. But you can, I can right. walk into a room, you know, um, in Foxborough, and it's all 60 plus year old older white people. So I have to do a set 
tailored to them as opposed right. to going over to Somerville or Cambridge where it's all like liberal, woke, young, you know what I mean? You, you really have to be on your toes and you have to have enough material that you can pull from to change up where you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it really is. Yeah, knowing where you're performing, the demographics of that neck of the woods, and who your audience is going to be made of. Um, but, you know, my entertainment career has not been totally like that of a traditional stand-up. Um, what I got known for and have had the most success is my Donald Trump impersonation. It's very uh, good. It's very good. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. You. L- 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 you know I love you. I love you. you. Know it, I it like creeps me out. It's that good. Like it's like, yeah. That, it's me- weird. that makes me feel really good. You're not the first uh, person to, 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 I've seen people, it's usually women, like recoil when Eric does that. And it's disturbing, but that means, it also means that it's a good impression, I think. It's just, it, it, no, it's one of the better ones I've ever heard. But it, yeah, it's very like, ugh, ugh, you know? Because he's such, because the way he talks is so creepy. You know what I mean? His like cadence and stuff, it's so like, ugh, like I can't, I'm just like, ugh, it's weird. But it's great, it's very good, it's very good. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's uh, it's such a universally recognized character. So I've had that advantage over a lot of other performers, and it's it's helped me get a lot of work and and do gigs and stuff, you know, that I probably never otherwise would have had. And um, it's been quite an amazing experience, and it is very exhilarating getting up in front of a, a huge crowd of people, and they're waiting for you. You're the quarterback here, steering the ship. Yeah. And um, it, it, it is, it's still nerve wracking. It's still yeah. nerve wracking. And, and I can imagine you, you were probably your first go around there at the Wilbur in that, in that crowd. It had, it had to have been pretty like, whoa. It was, know? it was daunting. Like, you know, and, and, and Tim is so, you know, very classically Tim. Um, he, I, he, I knew he was coming. I, I bought tickets cause I always support like, you know, whenever he's in town, I'm like, I'll be there. I'll be there. And uh, I typically open for him when he's like at laugh or whatever, like that's, but I never was expecting him to ask me to open at the Wilbur because he had an opener, but also it was such big shows that I was like, yeah, you know, he's, he's going to bring, you know, a next, next tier comic. So when he ever asked, I was like, oh my God, yeah, of course. Like, um, and so that was like such a big deal. It's so funny because I, the text, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, feature for me at the Wilbur, you know, blah, blah. I just wrote back, yes. Like, I didn't even, I was, but meanwhile, I was like, oh, what? Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, you're doing backflips. Yeah. Me, yeah. I was like, I wanted yes. to, I almost wrote back to him, oh, shit, I don't think I can. I got a bar show down on Lansdowne. <laughs> anyway. And then we went to Foxwoods that Saturday night, too, which was unbelievable. That was such a great show. That was really fun. But yes. yeah. The text exchange is very funny. I actually screenshot it and sent it back to him, and he was just like, okay. you know. "Oh no, that's something you print out in your frame and you have forever." That, I that's... mean, I'm not gonna lie. I need a photo album. Like it's in there. That's something I would have there. Yeah, that that's amazing. So, so you were just anticipating going and watching the shows. Yeah, because when he's in town, I always go for it. And then we always have dinner or lunch or whatever. You know, we all hang out. Like he's, you know, he he and my husband, like he loves my husband. Like we, you know, he's been around the kid. Like we, yes. So I just, I said to him, I go, I'm go, I put the late show Friday on purpose so we can go have dinner in the North End afterwards. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And then it was like, you know, like a week before the shows. And I just, like I said, was anticipating just going as a fan, like I would. And I got the call. Up to the big leagues. That's very That's awesome. So yeah. your friends and family who've been with you on the whole journey, what, what was their response? They had to have been so psyched for you. Oh, my! You, you, what you need to understand, too, about Bob Tony is that he is the most supportive, kind, like, un, like, this guy could write the roadmap of how to be, like, the you know, the perfect husband. So... I actually called him the second I was done with Tim. I actually called him frantically and was like, you're not going to believe this. And he's like at the field with, you know, Teddy, like doing, I don't know, football shit or whatever. I don't even know, but uh, probably baseball because it was summer. And he was like, oh, my God, that's so great. Like, because he we, he wasn't expecting it either. Like, Tim can be a wild card. You never know. And I just go with the flow and, and whatever. But, yeah, I mean, dude, that was a big deal. And it wasn't one show at the Wilbur. It was six sold out shows and that was so massive like that was a big deal um but it's funny because like i wasn't sure i didn't by the time that show had rolled around like we had done we had done the wallet 
And in the wallet, I weighed, you know, like 305 pounds, like, you know, and then by the time the Wilbur rolled around, I had dropped like probably like 75 or 80. And I had said to Tim, I'm like, I, I'm thinking about coming right out and just, be, you know, doing the clown line. And he's like, they're not going to recognize you. And I was like, they'll recognize the He's like, I'm telling you now, they're not going to recognize you. And I was like, they might not. You're right. You know, you're the expert. But so it was, you know. Anyway, I can't. Yeah, I can't deny at all. I did. I. That's that's exactly it. Like I, I had seen the wallet and I knew about it, and I didn't even put that together that that was you until recently when you posted with Dan Carney. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A, a picture with him, and I was like, "Holy fuck, that's Laura in the wallet! No way, that's her." Oh, so yeah, we need, we, need to, we need to hear all about the wallet. How did that come to be? Where did the idea come from? And where was that? Was that down on the Cape? Where'd you guys film that? So that's actually my house on the Cape. So um, basically, <laughs> it's so he was in town. Um, he was in Providence doing shows at the Comedy Connection, which is a great. We were there. Show. Oh, were you at those shows? Okay, yeah. so he left those and they drove right to the Cape because he called me and was like, where are you? And I was like, I go, well, tell me what you're trying to do. And so he explained it to me. I said, all right, well, here's the thing. Do you want city white trash or do you want white trash? Because there's a difference. You know what I mean? And he was like, well, if you're down the cave, we'll just do it down the cave. And I was like, fine. So they came down and uh, I, you know, they stayed at the house and I, we had a blast and it was just ridiculous. He said to me, he's like, this is what I'm doing. And what I need you to do is just turn up the Boston like trash like thing. And then I went over Dan, uh, Dan and I talked for a while about the accent and stuff. So I was trying to give him like some pointers. And then Tim had said like, I'm just going to do a low voice, you know, whatever. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, there's only certain words that you really have to be mindful of anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think specifically, but I, I can't, but anyway, so they came down, spent the night. We got up early. You know, we would we just they they were out filming. I was out like grocery shopping while they were on the beach. Yeah, um, kind of just between. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I was even working too. I think I was checking in on email and, um, but it was any any time that I get to spend with Tim alone or not around like the bustle of the yeah. nonsense of like the Wilbur or the pe like people like even when I went to see him at the Beacon, I didn't get to have much time with them. Like you know. But anytime I get to have time alone with him, like it's so, I, I feel so lucky because he's just such a good person and he's so kind and he's so generous and he's so smart. And like, he's just, he's, uh, he's, it's funny. It's, it's weird. Like people think he's a certain way that he's not, mm. but he is, but he isn't. It's, it's a, it's a crazy, it's weird. What, what we put on on stage uh, is to a large extent who we are and what we are, but it's, it's not exactly who and what we are kind of exaggerated sometimes i think yeah, you know for sure i mean i'm not walking around my house being like these fucking jerk offs i mean I, sometimes but like i'm not that's not who i am all day every day you know what i mean i'm actually you know i mean i'm not gonna say mellow that's ridiculous i'm not a mellow no one would ever describe me as mellow but like i'm not <clears throat> i'm not in heightened every moment you know what i mean like that yeah but, but you you really nailed it though um just with the I, I had manchester by the sea vibes i had goodwill hunting vibes there was uh the town, um, just every every bad thing Ben Affleck's ever done. You guys encapsulated in that in those ninety seconds, and then the way you had the cigarette, and you were like, it was, it's just, I, I can't even tell you how much of a fucking masterpiece it is, and and what it means to us. What I want, I want to get my hands so on the outtakes so bad because we had so much good, like so much funny, like I don't know how Ben edited down to what he did because. We were at that table for so long, and I literally felt like a gorilla had like sat on my chest the next morning because I smoked so many cigarettes. Oh. We were trying to get those takes, <laughs> and like, and then you had to have like a certain level of continuity to it. So I'd have to like suck it down, get it to where it was. And it was just like, oh my god, am I oh. stay? Because you don't, no one smokes inside anymore. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. That's the other part of it too. It's, it's it had like a throwback vibe to it too. And um, so, did you guys mostly just improv like the? Was, was, there, was there a script or did you got kind of 
no script. We knew, we each knew kind of what we were supposed to be doing. Like, for example, there were little things. Like, I will tell you, like, for example, I said to Tim, I go, I have a lazy Susan. I'm going to go around. I'm going to collect all the pill bottles in this entire house. We're going to put them on a lazy Susan. I'm going to buy a star magazine. And he has a joke about um, women ashing in seashells. Well, I had two huge um, clamshells that are actually on the table. You can't see them, which is kind of a bummer. But I said to Tim, like, we need to fill this with, with butts. And he's like, well, we can do that. You know, um, the drinking, like, he's sober. I don't really drink ever. So we got, like, you know, we had dark apple juice. Like, you know what I mean? But, like, that that mother, that woman, my character, I grew up with her. That's Maggie Trajano's mom. That's Christina Wood's mom. That's, you know what I mean? That's everybody's, like, she, she and, and I will tell you this much. It's funny. Like, I look back on that, and I'm so fucking horrified by how big I am. But I say this. I think she kind of had to be. Like I don't think she would have been had the same impact. Absolutely, it, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have worked, Laura, with present Laura. No, I don't think so. So I think no. I need to be that way, you know, to make her. Yeah. Um, my favorite review of that whole thing was Barstool Sports. Um, the writer was like, "She's trash." And I love her. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat around that table with that mom and she's been smoking and bitching about the family. And I just knew her, you know. The beats are just so perfect. Your father was a fucking clown. It's, yep. it's just, I'll get up in the morning and be the first thing I say to him sometimes, you know. I'll go just go into his room and just say it to him. It might be six in the morning. It's awesome. Tommy, I brought you here to talk about dad and money. Dad invested in a new currency called Bitcoin. What did he have, like 100 Bitcoin? Dad owned 100 Bitcoin. You know, not Bitcoin, but Biddle. It's, it's such a Massachusetts freaking... It's a new currency designed by Elon Musk. Who's Elon Musk? He was an astronaut. An astronaut, Tommy. <laughs> and the freaking the music, too. Oh, I know. What an incredible... Like, Ben is just brilliant so one thing that bums me out though is there's this the scene where they're um they're on the couch and they in the background there's like a thing of flowers on the thing and i have like a stack of books like kennedy's and we should have i'm so fucking mad that i didn't have like a like ted kennedy's book or like a jfk jr book in the back like i'm so pissed about that because that would have been even more hilarious yes like even more hilarious you know what i mean and uh the scene where uh where I smacked Dan's hand. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, going for the pills. Yes, yes. When oh, every like, house in Massachusetts, every house in Boston's got the Pope and JFK. Yes, and I am Jack. Actually, I know I don't have the book. I actually just gave it to Tim. I had um, Ted Kennedy's uh, memoir. I just I oh. literally gave it to him when he was at the Wilbur and March. Um, True Compass. What's that? Uh, his memoir, True Compass. Yes. Yeah, that came out when he was sick, right? When he was dying, I think. Yeah, or? yeah. yeah. I wow. gave because I was like, I go, I know how you feel about the Kennedys, but just read this. You know what I mean? Just read it. Like that's the thing; he'll read anything. So, um, but yeah, that scene where I'm like, I slap Dan's hand. That was like, I remember I had the cigarette and we and and I I saw his hand going. I'm like, I gotta slap, I gotta slap his hand. But I had the cigarette. I was like, ah, fuck it. And that ended up being like one of the funniest fucking things i pee my pants when i watch that back like it's so good it's so quick but it's just it, it, it just it, it's a movie i want to watch i want to see the movie i feel the same way i'm like dude we, someone should make this please i mean you've got it right it's right here for the taking so you know uh, the thing is too and i love this there's certain comedians and I, i'm you know i know this subject has probably been spoken about you know to death in a lot of ways but i really feel like comedians sometimes make the best dramatic actors and they can do that crossover or go into that darkness because obviously with comedy a lot of it is informed by by dark you know darkness and in, in certain life experiences that that are have caused you grief and pain and sadness and you turn to that and turn it into comedy but um i really i think you guys could could like just those characters, like you could see that in like a, the ninety-minute dramatic film, and and people would 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 watch it and love it. Like Absolutely. I don't know. I I swear to God. So I had my knee replaced back in March, and I was in the hospital. I was at the Baptist for a few days, and I was very tempted to actually text him and be like, "You need to come and film me in the bed, and you'd be like, Ma, we still need that." 
fucking password and me being and you know you're dying and me being like i'm not dying i don't need you you fucking idiot you know what i mean like i had a whole thing in my head but he's on the road and he's so busy but i know that the wallet was really fun like it, it was just a great time behind the scenes it was and it came out so well i mean really the production quality on that was just so excellent yeah, it, it, that's a local company that did that this group of um guys trace gatos and they're excellent excellent so oh the production they, value is amazing yeah they do a ton of stuff around here so it's it's yeah they're around um but yeah that the whole thing was fun even down when he was in the pool room and he's writing the you know the yeah i i have a notebook and i told him the other day i said i'm selling this as an nft he's like yeah go for it Oh, he'd love. That's a great idea. That's perfect. Yeah, we're all, we're all about fake business around here, Laura. I know, and I wonder, <laughs> like, wonder, I wonder what Tim doing fan I could sell that to for a cool, you know, couple thousand. Finance that, move to LA. I, it would help, yeah. Or you could come down, come to Austin, Laura. Start a podcast. Move to Austin to Joe Rogan's club, which isn't even open yet, by the way. Oh yeah, that whole thing. I can't. I, have you played in Austin? Have you ever done Texas? Or? I did not. I I um I have tons of friends that moved out to Austin. I I could go any. I have one of my really good friends that lives there. Like I have high school friends that are there now. I just it's not on my radar. Like I don't know. I think for me, if I'm going to go anywhere, it's New York or L.A. Because I, you know, <clears throat> I mean, Austin is a great town, but I just it's just not. I don't know. I don't have any deep like burning desire to get there to do comedy. You know. Yeah, I feel like there's been a pretty big migration to Austin, and it's almost maybe not too saturated, but kind of like, you know, there's probably other opportunities elsewhere that could be explored, you know? I would never I would never move there for comedy. Like, that just wouldn't be a thing. Like, I, you know, if you're going to do that, it could, because it's still a secondary market. There are primary markets, and there are secondary markets, and I wouldn't leave the secondary market to move to another secondary market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I would happily, like, I would do comedy there. If I'm in Texas and I'm near Austin and my friends want to see me perform, I'll ask and I could probably get a spot somewhere and I would do it, of course. But I just, I don't, I don't think I, like, I don't, it's not that I don't, I like, I don't need to necessarily, if that makes sense. I don't know. Right. I'm not like a jerk. I would happily, happily do that. Well, I mean, I mean, Boston is arguably the, the best stand-up, you know, comedy scene in the whole country. Or, or I mean, it cer certainly was in the '80s, like when Lenny Clark was coming up and Stephen Wright. And um, it's, but, a great, uh, it's a great incubator. I mean, you know, Gary Goldman, Bill Burr, Dane Cook, um, Mario Campione, Dennis Leary. I mean, the list. You know, David Letterman, Louis C.K. Sorry, not David Letterman. I didn't mean to say that. Jay Leno. Um, ooh, what David was it? Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, I mean, you name it, some of the biggest names in comedy have come out of here. And it's a great incubator. It's an unbelievable city for comedy. Um, but if you want to break, you got to go. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, New York is, you know, not, it's not a bad jaunt, you know, to make it to New York. And, um, no, not at all. Have you, have you played with uh, Lenny Clark? Have you ever? Yeah, we've done some shows together. He's great. He's awesome. Lenny's great. Yeah, he's so nice. I love him. Like, he's <clears> very, um, generous with young comics not young i'm not young but like he's he's very generous to newer comics like you know he, he's like just very like he'll i don't know he gives you time like he makes you feel like you know you're you know matter like he's and that's always that's the mark of a classy person and a good headliner is when you let the other like you are kind and good to the other comics in the room no matter the span of age, the time you're doing comedy, that's a very telling thing. And I can, there are some headliners that are absolute pieces of shit. And then they're, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the bigger the headliner, the nicer they've been. I, you know, I've worked with some really big, big names and they've all been wonderful. Like, I mean, Eliza Schlesinger could not have been nicer. Oh my God kind and funny and so smart and just really generous like you know i asked she helped me work on a joke for god's sakes like she's like i love this i love the you know and like she's amazing um god i've, I've worked with jay larson eric griffin big jay okerson oh, big jay another one like almost got that same thing going on could not be nicer like yeah. every night I came off the set, we did a shit ton of shows together at Laugh. I was opening for him. 
I think we did like six or seven. I mean, we, we were packed from like Thursday through Saturday. I want to say like two shows a night and they were even trying to add a third at one point. So we spent a lot of time together. And uh, every time I came off stage, I would, you know, he'd be like, did you have fun? And I go, I did, you know, like, he's just another guy who's like, so nice. Like you, you think they're going to be away and they're not, you know, they're, but like I said, the bigger the headliner, the nicer they've been. It's, it's wild. You know, I'm, oh, that's, I'm, that's good to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you, Eric Griffin, holy shit. Was that dude? Nice. Jay Larson. Fucking awesome. Like, I'm just, you know, I've, I've been very lucky. I've only worked with like one person that I was like, ah, this guy's a real dick and I'm going to just leave the green room. You know what I mean? No big deal. It's yeah, that a, was a, a bigger name guy, and he just was kind of just rude and just. Yeah, you don't have to tell us his name. What was his behavior like? Well, what did he do? So he was. He, to be honest with you, he's not a big. He's not a. He's not like a household name. Like he's not like an Eliza, a Tim, a Jared Fried, or you know, he, or you know, Mark Norman, like Jillis. He's not. He's not even in that tier, which made it all the worse that he was acting so shitty. But we were in the green room, and typically the host and the feature will be in the green room. And you know the the headliner will be there. And then what you do as the host for the features, you say to them like, do you want space? So what? Like Jay, for example, had family coming in, and I was like, I you know let me get out of here. Like you need to have time over with family. Like um, people have their friends come in. You just you want to give them their space. They're about to perform for forty five minutes to an hour. But I'll like I'll hide in the corner and do my makeup or whatever, or I'll leave and go whatever. This guy didn't want anybody in the green room. He, we weren't to look at him. We weren't to interact with him. And it's like, dude, I'm on your show. Like you, we want to, we're trying to give you and give this audience like a really good show. And so just maybe say hello. That's it. That's all we're asking. You know what I mean? Like, but again, he's not really anything. And I've never even heard of him again. So it's like, all right, goodbye. You know, like, you know, I think, I think one of the things is, the bigger you are, the more secure and comfortable you are about you and your comedy, and you're you. There's no cost to you to be nice. Just yeah, nice. You know what I mean? Like you're making good money. You have you're living your dream. Yeah, I'll be nice. If I'm if I'm fucking touring the country, I'll be nice to fucking everybody. What? Absolutely. Oh, are you kidding me? You know, he's smiling nonstop. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, if you're a, you got to get the headline status like that, you understand the grind. The grind of it and, and what it takes to, to come up and, and how many times you've done empty rooms or you've fallen flat or it's just sucked and you wanted to give up so why would you not be anything but but generous and giving and supportive to those who are doing it and you and you know where they're at you know absolutely and i i i and it's funny like i get continually blown away by you know how kind and nice and, and good these these big big names are but you know I would like to be honest with you. I would like to to be that someday. I would like to roll into a city and and say to a, a you know a comic like, hey, you know, come come open for me for a few nights at the at the Chevalier, and and then just you know, I want to I want to be able to do that someday for someone. Like, I just feel like it's such a nice, good, kind thing to do. You know, and comedy is so fucking hard, and you know, so competitive, competitive and you know. So it's nice to get reassured every once in a while that the good does exist and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our, we just had um, another comedian on who actually, Jay Elkerson helped him get his start and get going. I don't know if you've heard of him, Zach Amico. I know the name. Yep. So he's part of the Gas Digital Network crew there with uh, Dave Smith and Jay Elkerson and Louis J. Gomez, those guys. And Zach said that too. He said, look, someone gets big, you know, they remember their friends and the people who helped them get there. Yep. And, and, and to me, you know, if something like that happened and, you know, I got really big and I'm in a position to, you know, help someone out or bring them on board, it, it, I don't think there's any better feeling than that. I absolutely agree with you. Like, I always say, like, like I said, one of my biggest dreams is to be able to, like, get so big that I can actually help someone else or a few other people even. Like, I, like that right. is the goal. Like, I'd like to bring people along with me. I have a friend in New York. Her name is Peace Moby. She's one of the best comics I know. She's an unbelievable writer. And she's one of those people. She's not huge yet. She's going to break. She's going to break big. She's going to be amazing. She, I, I think her goal is to be a writer on a show. But 
she's to me an example of somebody who anytime an opportunity comes up that she doesn't fit for she lets other people know about it mm-hmm. and my friend chanel ali is the same way she'll send me a text being like you should apply for this this has got you written all over like there's a few of us in this little you know this network that are like you know this isn't good for me but it's good for you like i got right. america's got talent contacted me about doing you know the mom comic thing and i'm like i'm not your lady i swear mm-hmm. i don't like my kids and i said but but i know who is good for you and then i sent her three names of three other women comic mom com not i hate the mom comic thing three other comics who happen to have some you know mothery material um, in there and one of them you know got decently far didn't end up making it but that's okay it's all about like you know my ride and experience but you should try this, you know, because yeah. that's the stuff you're going to remember and, and take back with you, you know, like, I don't know. I just, and it's good karma. Like, you know, yeah. if, if you're a dick and you hold those like opportunities to yourself, well, what if my friend Kathy did make it to America's Get Talent? And then somebody was like, hey, you would be great for this sitcom. And then she could mm-hmm. say, you know, who would be great with me? My friend Laura. Like, you, you never know. You yeah. know, it's the butterfly effect. And I think if you take every opportunity you have to help push other people forward too, not not at a cost to yourself but along with yourself i think it's fine you know i think it's a good thing to do i really do yeah yeah i did a big um gig just before the i call it the flu world order just before the virus broke and it was like a thing and and it was, it was like rum, rumbling rumblings of it in february of 2020 i remember hearing about this rumblings in china and all this shit. And I had a, uh, I got hired as Trump to go entertain a big cigar company, put on this big event with a former Patriot and the Shriners Club down there in Wilmington, Mass. And it was just that huge auditorium full of 700 people there. And there was another established comedian who was performing and we were kind of backstage before, you know, I'm, I'm dressed as Trump. I had all my jokes, you know, and, and he just, he kind of looked at me and he didn't know that I was going to be performing. And he kind of, he just said, oh, you're, you're kind of like a novelty act. You're like an exploding golf ball. You know, you're not really a comedian. So I went out there and just fucking destroyed his Trump and had the, all 700 people just eating out of my hand and laughing. And um, it, it felt good to kind of show him, you know, he, I think he just thought because he was kind of more established and, uh, oh, this is just, this guy's a clown. He's not going to have anything good. And I actually had really well-written jokes, thought out, developed uh, concepts and stuff. And I just one after one kept uh, destroying so that, that was a good feeling and that, that was you know one of the last big shows before the virus started so that yeah. was a real memorable one good yeah i think i don't think there's any merit in artists whatever art form you're doing shitting on one another like, I yeah don't, i don't get that because a comedy especially and you well know this it's so subjective you know right. i have 20 minutes and 19 of my bits will hit and then that one for that one person will be like hey, i didn't like that one or but it's so subjective so to judge anyone else's comedy or what, what they're doing i don't think is really there's any merit to it like i just you know what it reminds me of this is a stupid analogy but back in like um I don't even remember when. I just remember when Britney was like kind of first on the scene and Pink and all these other female artists were like, she's not really singing. And I'm like, guys, there's one for everybody here. Yeah, she's not a fucking singer. You know, she's a performer. She's not a singer. Okay. Nobody's going to be like, oh, the voice of, you know, that's heaven. You know what I mean? No one's going to think that. Okay. But, but leave her alone. Who gives a shit? How does it affect you? And nobody's yeah. taking money out of your pocket. So shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. There's room for everyone because some you're always going to be someone's favorite and you're always going to be someone's last favorite. But let the people decide that, not you. Exactly. Exactly. We got a quick super chat here from our friend Patty, whose house we were just at. How many how many daughters does he have, Mike? Do it. I I have 14 daughters. That's not good. That's not Is it 14? Daughter. How many how many daughters is it, Laura? 14? It's not daughters. Daughters. It's dogs. Oh, dogs. Oh. Wow. Patty, we didn't. And it's 17. I have 17 dogs. That's not good, Tommy. That's been the debate. It's daughters, dogs, dollars. It's dogs. 
Wow. There you go. You're welcome. From, right from behind the scenes, Patty. It was worth the five dollar super chat. That yeah, that's that just that blew my mind. So do you think um do you think you guys might do any more skits or are, are you in your own like are you kind of more just focused on stand up or do you think like skits might might be something that you want to get more into or I do I'll do anything. Like I with those uh the Tree Scottos guys, the guys that filmed the, the wallet, like I've been in a few sketches with them, like we've got you know, I'll do anything. I I just I'm I'm pretty much strictly stand up, but like I love sketch comedy, I love sketch writing, and I'm happy to do. To, I'll just get a text, and someone will be like, "Can you be here at this time and do this?" I'll be like, "Yeah, sure." You know what I mean? So it's not a no, but it's whatever you know, whatever is in the wind. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, if an opportunity presents itself, yeah. Yeah, you know, I would, hey. I'm not going to say no to anything that's going to put me out there because the goal is to be out there. So. Right. Now I'm a Laura fan, Carmen says. She's really pretty. Laura, oops. Oh yeah, we love Car Carmen Schmistuda. She's very beautiful. She's a good friend of mine. Very good friend of mine. And we're working on we're working on some projects with some Russians right now, quite frankly. Uh, well, not for nothing, but no offense to you, Eric, but she, she definitely can do better friend-wise. Like she's not like she's like a true knockout. Yeah. Like yeah. not yeah. someone you see in real life. Like that. Carmen, what, is, what are you doing cohorting with the likes of us, ruffians? Carmen is Carmen is very she's she's as, she's way better than you. Carmen is as equally as brilliant and fun as she is beautiful, I will say. That I like. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Have you um have you seen the show Hacks, Laura? Of course. I love it. That love yeah, it. that sh that show is great. That's that's such a fun the the um you know, you were just talking about how bigger comics can can bring others along with them, and I, I see that so much in that story. And I love the manager, the talent manager, the, the guy there who uh, the situations he gets himself in. It's all it's awful. No, it's the best. It's the best. And I love um, the writing on that show is so so good. Like who, that writing team just knows, truly knows comedy. And like and and you know the the character. You know, I would say obviously kind of loosely based on like Joan Rivers or whatever, but like she's so good and like so well developed. And oh, I, it's such a good show. I will yeah. tell you, I don't know if you guys are into this show or not. It's not stand up or anything, but I cannot stop watching Letter Kenny. Are you guys familiar? I, I know about it. I've never seen it. Oh my God. You want to talk about writing and like Chris, right? So it's on Hulu. There's 10 seasons. And then there's like, um, there's a, um, spinoff called Shorzy. Every episode is probably like 24, 25 minutes. You have to watch it with subtitles. They, it takes place up in Canada. It's just a little tiny town. All the nonsense that happens with the, these people. But these fucking characters, the wordplay and the back and forth, you're just like, what the fuck am I Oh my God. You, it's not a show that you can like be on your iPad like playing a game. You have to pay attention or you will miss something utterly hilarious. It is so funny that I find myself having to pause it get the laugh done <laughs> rewind laugh again and then keep going because it's so goddamn funny it doesn't get near the recognition it deserves so if one person watching this watches letter kenny i will be very happy it's a great show well, i'm going to check it out now yeah you're the second person uh, recently to tell me that i would like that because um our dad was from canada and that's where our grandparents were from and all of our aunts and uncles you gotta so. watch it, the, the Canadian humor informs a, a lot of what we do. Like my, my my uncle, in my opinion, he he grew up in Dorchester. He's the funniest person I've ever met in my life, and he's the biggest influence on me and my comedy. But no one knows who he is. But I, I think he missed his calling. And he's a chiropractor in Framingham. So that 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 in of itself is, is it, <laughs> you get material from that. But he, you know, so. Uh, we, we draw a lot of inspiration from him, and and um, I think the tone and some of my jokes, I, I, I kind of I impersonate him a little bit, and yeah. I've I've seen interviews that Mike Myers ha has given, and he's he said he's always like impersonating his dad and like his brothers, and uh, I, yeah, family. I re I really feel like family is one of the biggest you know influences for um, you know for performing and what material. Like obviously we have like I love Bill Hicks. Like I before I knew who Bill Hicks was. I actually discovered him in college. One of my friend's roommates was like, oh, man, you, you know, he hung out with me a little bit. He was like, have you ever watched Bill Hicks? I was like, I never even heard of him. And it was like discovering Tim Dillon. So 
when you get your your comics that you like, man, it, it just clicks. Um, so besides like Carlin and Pryor, who who are some of your biggest influences? Or, I or mean, I, I love. I mean, Bill Burr for me. I can't. There's nothing that he says that I don't love. Like he's relatable. He's relatable. He's funny. He's smart. And his like his anger. Like I. That's like I. Like, I feel that. Like, that's how I feel every day of my life. So when he's, like, going on one of his tears, I'm just like, yeah, fucking yeah. I'm with you, buddy. Like, I, I love, love him. Um, Gary Goldman, arguably one of the greatest comics ever. He is another one that should be a, a household name. His state abbreviations joke is arguably probably one of the most, like, top ten goat jokes of all time. Um, and when you do a deep dive into Gary, like just his wordsmithing and he's so smart and I don't know, like I, I'll never be able to write like that because I'm just not that smart. You know what I mean? But like, I love Gary Goldman. Um, try, I love Jared Freed. I love, I'm trying to think there's just, I mean, I, there's a lot of, oh, oh my God. The last special I watched, which I was surprised about was Fortune Theme Star. And I fell on the floor fucking laughing. Like I like her as a, like, just as a person and as a comic, like I've always enjoyed her stand up. but her last special on Netflix, it's called like Salty and Sweet. I, I've actually watched it five times now because I cannot, it's so goddamn funny. Um, Louis CK was somebody that I, love 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 more than anything his special oh my god i kept it on my dvr for over i want to say like two years or something insane because i would just put it on and i could like like he does this whole bit about who's smarter like at the p the 24 year old phd student or the 50 year old truck driver who's staying at a motel on the cape and finds a dead body in the pool and for some reason <laughs> No matter how many times I've heard that joke, and I've heard it hundreds of times now, I will still fucking lose it. Because it's so smart. Like, he's just, I don't know. He's, um yeah, he's somebody I really like. And who else? I'm trying to think. There's, um it's funny, when you get into comedy and you're doing comedy, I don't know if you guys have found this for yourselves yet. Making me actually laugh out loud is harder and harder and harder. And I'll watch a special and I'll be like, she's not that funny. And it's such a shitty thing to do because it's like. I like, could do that. Wanna... Yeah. You're just like, that was like, okay, Joe, but like, I would have done it this way. Well, okay, bitch, but you're not on Netflix, so you're not doing it all right. You know what I mean? Like, but it is harder and harder to laugh. Taylor Tomlinson is someone I love. Um, I actually, this is a good story. When when Tim was filming his Netflix 15, that night, Taylor Tomlinson was filming hers. Michelle Buteau was there. Uh, Max um, Silvestri, I think his name is. Um, whatever. There were a, a few of them filming. And so I got to meet her, like, super briefly. But she fucking murdered that night. Like, that room, she just crushed the room. And when she came off seat, was like... And I was just like, that was the best that I've ever seen. And she was like, thank you. And I like, no, very politely. I don't want to make it out like that. She was, couldn't have been, she was super gracious. But I was just like, man, I just talked to Taylor. Like, I mean, I didn't <laughs> that well, but she, she was unbelievable. Um, I really like her. She actually does a whole bit about um, trying to buy a Father's Day card and how difficult it is because so she ends up just being like, you're dad, thanks. And like, it's, it's very funny, super relatable. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, the for I would encourage you guys to watch the Fortune Feimster um, special because she does this whole thing about Hooters that's going to have you on the floor. Like it's great. When she gets to the part about being on the swim team, lock in. It's fucking great. Oh, yeah. I, I think I know what I'm going to watch tonight, Laura. Telling and you. And she um she did one. They did I think like a. Um, LGBTQ one and, and Rosie was in it and I was like oh I gotta see I, I love Rosie okay I gotta, I'm gonna put it out there I love Rosie she's she's the reason that Trump um, exploded into the zeitgeist back in 06 for me when when they had the feud and that was just that was our oxygen for like we we just annoyed the hell out of my mom just do it just being like Rosie O'Donnell's disgusting okay you take a look at her she's a slob you know and then Rosie did the impression of Trump when she flipped her hair on the View. I'm gonna give her a second chance at the beauty pageant. And Rosie's Trump is arguably one of the one of the great unsung Trump impressions. And uh, 
So I was watching the special. I'm like, oh, I want to see what Rosie has to say. And it was the end of the show, and she hadn't come on stage yet. And she, they just had her there, like, playing drums on uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. And that was, like, all she did. <laughs> it was cool to see that, though. But that's a bummer, though. I would have liked to have heard from her. Yeah, I was disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there's a couple specials out right now. Netflix is a joke, just had the big um festival, and so they've cut the what they had from it, and they're on Netflix right now. Amy Schumer's got one with a bunch of comics, um, and Eliza's on one with like um Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlinson. Like, so there's a bunch of Netflix is a joke stuff. Bill Burr actually has one. He's got like five or six comics that he really likes doing sets, which is great. We watched that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Pete Davidson's got one, too, that I started. Yes, I got to watch that. Pete Pete Davidson. And then we watched um, the Bob Saget tribute. That was really touching with John Mayer and um, um, Stamos and uh, Chris Rock. And who else was up there? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. They got Jim Carrey. and, And I guess for that one, they didn't have any kind of plan. They just kind of all showed up and... What, what you saw is what happened. So it's it's still crazy to think that, you know, just in the last year we've lost Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried, and, and uh, Norm MacDonald. I mean, talk about huge losses in the com- yeah. comic world. Yeah, yeah. And the Bob Saget one was just so um, uh, sudden and crazy. Like, it, it, it just, like, out of nowhere. Like, Gilbert was He was in bad health for a while. Yeah, and, like, and Norm MacDonald, now we know he was sick, so it's, like, makes more sense. But the Bob Saget thing, what a, like, that was tragic. Because it was, like, it's very clear that I think he, like, whacked his head. Like, I don't even think it was, like, and, and, and to die alone in a hotel room and in Florida. Oh, oh this is- it's, like, layer <laughs> layer of shit. So, uh, to kind of close things out here, Laura, I want you to just tell us a little bit about Nick. You said you're headlining there in July. Tell us about yes. that. Yes, so I'm headlining Nick's Comedy Stop on July 22nd and the 23rd. And I do want to let you guys know that I am taking all the proceeds from the door and I'm going to be donating them to my friend's family. Um, One of my childhood neighbors growing up was very tragically, uh, well, she was murdered. I don't, there's no other way to say it, Um, Mm -hmm. on May 10th. And she leaves behind six daughters ranging from age 21 to 13. So what I'm doing is I cut a door deal with the Tobin group who've been super generous and really good to me. And we're, I, I'm going to take all, I'm going to pay the comics, you know, I'm going to, you know, pay my flyer guy. And then every penny I make is going to go right to that family. Cause they live, they grew up, we, I grew up across the street from them. You know, they're, they were part of my childhood. And so those two shows are going to be fundraising strictly. And I'm super excited because I'm, I have like, I've been working on a new 45 minutes for the last year or so. So I'm, I'm excited. Like I, you know, I've been doing my bits all, all the way through the whole year, but if people came to see me last year at Nick's headlining, they're getting a pretty much like a, like 90% only material. So I'm, I'm super excited. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a great night. It's going to be really fun and we're going to do some good, you know, we're going to make, make something good happen. I think so, so that's Friday, the 22nd, Saturday, the 23rd. Yep. You got it. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry to hear about your friend, Laura. That's tragic. That's that's awful. It's awful. It is. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make something good come of it. So we're oh yeah, maybe we can make it to one of those, Eric. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you. I would love to have you, of course. You know, be I haven't to... been to Nick's. I haven't been to Nick's in probably a decade. I hate to say it. So I think we're overdue. I was like one of those Knicks kids. Like I would like the second I turned like eighteen, I would go there and like watch the comics. That's the first place I ever saw Lenny Clark and um, Joe Yannetti. I remember that too. Oh my god, yeah, I was. I spent a lot of time at Knicks. It's legendary. Knicks is just just a, arguably the most legendary place in Boston. Still, it's so cool. Like it's so cool that I like I have my name like on the marquee and like, I mean that's so fucking cool. You know it is. Like, it's it's like a it, it's like not a big deal for some people, but to me, it's like a really big deal because it's like I went from like trying comedy to being like, oh my god, look at my name up there. That's amazing. You know what I mean? Hey, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. You know. Hoping so. Yeah, well, just keep keep grinding and shining, shining, Laura. I think you're awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on our show and. Um, if I can make it down to that, I definitely want to. But either way, I'll be promoting it and I'll send it out on Twitter and, and social media and stuff because that 
that's really powerful and beautiful that you're doing that for your friends and your family. Well, thank you. I actually, I can, I have a little Instagram flyer thingy I can send you, and you can, if, if you want, no pressure. There's, yeah, I'm not, you know. No, I, I'll totally share. You kidding me? You're in with the Jackmans now, Laura. You're in the club now. We're a mafia. We're, we're fucking Dorchester mafia. We are. Um, and I have to say, you in particular were very like nice and kind and flattering after my um, Wilbur shows. And I, oh, like anytime I saw your name kind of pop up, I'd be like, oh, you were so nice. So I very much appreciated how supportive you were because, you know, there were some people that were like, like there were some of Tim's fans. One of Tim's fans was like, she looks like a female Ray Cop. And I'm like, fair, but also fuck off. And then, yeah. yeah. And then uh, one of the other ones was like, your opener sucked, but you were great. And I'm like, do you understand that, like, you're insulting him? He chose me, you fucking dummy. Um, but anyway, yeah. I don't. You know, as Ben said, fuck, fuck those people, fuck the haters. Okay, real, real class act they are. Yes. They're real class act. Why don't you try a lot? What is it, Eliza? Yes. That was. <laughs> yeah, um, the yeah. I'm trying to remember what that line, the line that I said at the end. Yep. Oh, your father was a real class act. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what, what was your father, Laura? I mean, really, you're gonna make me do it? I don't know if I can do it. Um, all right, hold on. Ah, what if I fuck up? All right, hang on. Your father was a fucking clown. Ah, there it is. Still. Folks, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, folks, it's it's Laura Severse. Reverse, Severse. Subversive. Subversive. She's in she's in a great skit called The Wallet. It's on YouTube with Dan Carney and Tim Dillon. It's it's one of the it's one of the greatest 90 seconds pieces of art that's ever going to exist. In human history, she's a she's a brilliant comedian. Laura, tell everyone where they can find you and, and check you out. Instagram is the best place to follow me because, like, Facebook sucks, and I never keep up with my website. So follow me on Instagram. I put all my big shows up there. I don't put my dumb little bar shows, but I put my big shows up on Instagram. Um, and I'm I engage with anybody, so oh, I probably shouldn't say that, but I I try <laughs> to reach out. I will get back to you if you whatever. But I'm. Um, I'm on Instagram, Laura. Laura okay, I've been married almost 20 years. Um, Laura Sabers um, on Instagram. That's it. Awesome, Meg. I got a, a lot of information down below. So yeah, check her out, guys. She's a lot of fun. She's a brilliant comedian, representing Dorchester and Boston. Beautiful, beautiful part of the world. We love it. We do. We love it. It's great stuff. Well, thanks for tuning in, folks. Yeah, Dirty Dot. And uh, we'll be back again with. Uh, more Jackman Radio. We appreciate you tuning in. And as always, click subscribe if you haven't on this channel. Follow me all on social media. Uh, become a patron. Patreon.com slash Jackman Radio. And again, we love you. And uh, be safe. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.